This is the Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 293. Reflective practice is not all just in the head. I think for me, previous to this experience, I would have just said, oh, reflective practice, sure, think about X, Y, or Z. What we're really talking about is a personal discipline, a habit, a sort of bent of being to where there is intentional time for rest, refueling, hitting that reset, getting out of fight or flight. And that's one of the things I really took away from the time at Mayo is what's happening to us culturally as we are just driven to be in this constant state of fight or flight and we don't have to be there, right? The attention economy, how does it work? By forcing you into fight or flight, essentially. That's how we keep your attention. And there's a tremendous cost to that. So these reflective practices are really about re-engaging that parasympathetic system so you can rest, digest, heal, and hit reset. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello and welcome to the show. It is fabulous to have you here. We are talking about something really important today, something that I believe gets overshadowed, pushed under the rug, put out of our perspective as we focus on doing more, faster, creating more, earning more, whatever the more, more is. I think that sometimes there's less focus on self care than there needs to be. And when we think about what all of us across the globe need right now, as we are trying to recover from a global pandemic and all the stressors that went with that, and just life stressors, how are we zeroing in on our own health and well-being, our own mindset and well-being, and doing things like reflective practices and exercising and other things that ultimately make us better partners for our clients. That's what my guest today and I are going to be talking about. I'm going to introduce you to him in just a moment and tell you more about what you can expect from the show. Before we go there, I want to take a moment to introduce myself for anybody who is not familiar with the show. I'm Meg Rentschler. I am a coach educator and mentor and an executive coach. And One thing I am absolutely certain about is that along with self-care, the world also can use the concepts and the principles and the value that comes from coaching. And in order to do that, I want to help as many coaches as possible be successful in bringing their impact to the world. One way I hopefully am helping to do that is through this show, where every single week, we look at strategies, tools, and resources to help professional coaches strengthen their skills, build their businesses, bring their impact into organizations. Now, one of the things when we look through the lens of resources that I know to be true is that we are halfway through the year right now. And many of you might be realizing that you are coming up on a renewal 
for your coaching credential. Or maybe you're unaware of when your renewal is due and what that looks like. So I created a free resource that I want to offer. If you go to starcoachshow.com slash credential, starcoachshow.com slash credential, there is a quick video training and handout to help you get super clear about how do I even look to see when my credential is due and what is required And I offer some great resources to meet those continuing education credits and things like that. So starcoachshow.com slash credential, please access that resource if it will be helpful to you. I created it for you to keep those credentials strong. So now as we think about being more stress-free and getting information that we don't know or have to search for can sometimes be stressful, which is why I create as many resources as I can for you. That's one of the things that Dr. Stan Ward and I are going to be talking about today. How do we face forward into life stressors, into the demands that happen to us, and what happens when we ignore our self-care? And I am so grateful that Stan is being very transparent about some of his own life struggles and lessons learned based upon really burning the candle at both ends. Dr. Stanley Ward knows that the world needs leaders committed to both relationships and results. He also is big on creating both harmony and productivity and knowing that those things are important, but they're easier said than done. He is the founder and principal at Influence Coaching, and he partners with leaders to reduce unnecessary conflict, to beat burnout, and create sustainable positive change so that they can succeed personally and professionally. So one of the things that I absolutely, there's so many things I just really love about Stan. I've had the honor of working with Stan. He joined one of my mentor programs. He found me through the podcast, so I got to love that just the work that he's done around burnout, around helping his clients transform in, and he's going to share some of his secrets of doing that in the interview. Within three months of starting work with him, he's really seeing transformation in his clients that lead to long lasting results. In addition to his work as a coach, He has been a professor, he's an administrator in higher education, and he's the author of How to Beat Burnout for Yourself, Your Family, and Your Team. In addition, Stan is a co-editor of Ethical Leadership, A Primer. He just brings a plethora of experience to us, and we're really going to dive into the concept of self-care. Please if you're like, oh, I, I know all about self-care, I don't need to know any more about self-care, I promise you, if you walk into this interview with us, you're going to walk away with something different to think about, a new perspective, and uh, just really enjoy Stan's energy and focus. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Dr. Stan Ward. Dr. Stan Ward, welcome to the Star Coach Show. I am so excited to have you here with me today. Meg, it is a treat to be here with you. 
Well, thank you so much. You are truly one of my favorite people. You just bring such focus and energy. And uh, we recently were at a conference together and you created a reflective practice for everyone. You got up early and did Tai Chi with everyone. And that's just sort of one of the many core things that I think of when I think of you. So as we get into the concept of self-care for coaches, and in that, we can even tap into the competency of embodying a coaching mindset, which is such, in my opinion, such a great ad that the ICF put into the competencies. We're going to have this exploration around how we take care of ourselves as coaches, how our own self-care really helps us be better in the partnership that we greet our clients in. Let's start with what led you into doing the kind of work that you do? Yeah, so that's going to be a bit of a running start. You know, essentially, for a long time in life, I had, I had wanted to do a PhD. It really felt like I just love learning and felt like that was the mountain I wanted to climb. And so finally found a PhD program that made sense. It was in leadership studies. And as I was coming to the end of that program, uh, there was a, another woman in our cohort who was a female vice president in the aerospace industry. And she pulled me aside one day. She said, you know, Stan, have you thought about coaching? I think you'd make a really good coach. And so uh, thanks to her advocacy and encouragement, I started looking into the coaching space and not just thinking in a traditional higher ed path with the PhD, started doing it part-time. And then in 2020, really switched over into just completely full-time coaching practice. And as far as the kinds of things I do, I really help folks with reducing unnecessary conflict with beating burnout, which would be part of what we talk about today, and then creating sustainable positive change, change that lasts, right? Gotta love that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think all coaches are in that space in a lot of ways, especially the creating change that lasts. And some of that is because I know in my own leadership journey and the different leadership roles I've experienced, I care deeply about both harmony and productivity, or both results and relationships, and man, that takes a lot of energy and it can really take a toll on a leader. And so I have also found in the leaders I work with that there was a cost they were paying for being fully committed to both those things. And again, we can talk research, we can geek out if you want on, on some of that trail. And so because of that, I really started doing some work around burnout and leadership. I was also interested in looking at burnout in, in with physicians. And this was in 2019 that I was doing the research to put together the book that I've uh, launched at the beginning of 2020. So with all that, that's how I ended up here, along with my own personal story of, of just my own history of dealing with stress. Which we're going to dive into, if you're okay with. We're going to talk about that journey, how really life almost killed you, knocked you out, really made you wake up and pay attention to your own reflective practices, your own self-care or lack thereof, and what needed to shift for you to be able to be where you are today. First of all, let's name that book that you launched. Talk a little bit about the book. Sure. It's called How to Beat Burnout for Yourself, Your Family, and Your Team. One of the shifts, we were talking about shifts, you know, shift happens. One of the shifts I've had to make is to realize that self-care is not selfish. I think for whatever reason, and I still struggle with it in internally, even as I say this, I get this little wriggly thing in my tummy, right? And I think some of it may be how we frame self-care. Right. you know, as a spa day. I'm, I'm, and, and that might be part of your self-care practice, but I'm talking about keeping the human engine running so you can show up the way the world needs you to show up because right. the world needs us. 
your family needs you, your organization needs you, your community needs you, your, you know, your kids, your spouse, partner, all these people, they need you. And if you and don't have so, any oil going in to keep things going, it's yeah, going to run um, dry. Yeah. I mean, the, my favorite metaphor for burnout is think about the difference between a car engine uh, that's run out of gas versus a car engine that's run out of oil, right? So when that car runs out of oil, it just kind of goes, but up, but up, but up, but up, stops and it's done. And that's basically what happens when we're physically worn out. We're done, rest, hit reset, refuel, you'll be good again. Burnout's this other thing though. And I think part of what we're seeing too is is the word burnout gets overused. And so this is a little bit of what I'm trying to do as well with the book is clarify what burnout really is. Burnout's more like what happens when your engine runs out of oil. What's crazy is it'll keep running for a while, but the whole time it's running, what's happening? It's damaging itself. Until eventually the whole thing seizes up and fails. And so in the same way that it's not selfish of your car to turn that light on and say, hey, check engine oil, right? In in fact, I'm actually, I got a notice the other day from my smart car or whatever that I'm due in 800 miles till next service. I don't feel that's whiny of the car to tell me that, right? Right. They're doing me a favor because that car is keeping me safe. Again, it keeps my family safe when we're transporting. It helps me show up for my clients. That car is doing a lot of things for me. Why would I not maintain it? Absolutely. So for clarity, that first example was about when the car runs out of gas. I think you actually said oil, but you meant gas. Oh. And and I think that that's super important because the example is exactly that. We can run out of gas. We can put gas in the tank and go again. But when we run out of oil, that you know, that damage is being done and the fix is going to be a longer term fix. And so I think that that's a beautiful like segue into, do you mind sharing a little bit about what happened while you were in the process of finishing your PhD and, and a little bit about your oil, your lack of oil and what happened to your engine? Yeah. So I finished my PhD in 2013, defended the dissertation successfully. Yay. Yay! Uh, yeah, next steps in life. And a week later, I ended up in the emergency room uh, as what I thought was a healthy 40-year-old who found out, oh, I had this uh, in- basically this blockage in my gut, this intestinal blockage. Just How woke awful. me up in the middle of the night, severe pain. I bet that was severe pain. Oh, oh my yeah. Lord. And, and obstruction uh, yeah, is mean, nothing they, that we want to mess with. Yeah. Well, yeah. And the way they fix that is if you remember... Uh, you know, back when John Travolta was on Welcome Back Cotter, right? He'd say, up your nose with the rubber holes. I mean, that's <laughs> what they fix you, basically. They just shove this NG tube up there. And it's awful. Pump that thing out. And so the doctors were visiting with me as we were clean, kind of clearing my system out. And we really couldn't figure out where this was coming from. Again, 40-year-old male, active lifestyle, really fairly healthy. Like, what, where, what is this? And so for the next two years, I struggled with just being able to eat solid foods consistently. I was having chronic bacterial overgrowth in my gut. We were having to treat uh, just a lot of pain around being able to eat. Of course, lost a lot of weight. And in 2015, again, I ended up in the emergency room. Same thing, this intestinal blockage. And saw some specialists here in, in Tyler where I live. And man, the prognosis was kind of dire. The phrase that comes to mind is, I was trying to talk about, well, is there, are there some diet changes I can make? And, and the doctor said, Mr. Ward, we just need to talk about quality of life for you. Oh, my goodness. And I thought, hmm, usually that phrase is in opposition to something else, right? right. <laughs> like quality versus quantity. I thought, oh, my gosh, what are we talking about here? 
and of course, just chronic fatigue, all these things that go with not having nutrition. And so I'm very grateful for some friends of ours that live in Minneapolis. They were connected with the Mayo Clinic. And one of them found out Mayo was doing some research around my symptoms. So we went up to Mayo. I had two weeks of poking and prodding from the best medical minds in the country, if not the world. And at the end of that two weeks, they sat me down and, and basically my doc said, uh, Mr. Ward. And of course, internally, I'm like, oh, no, it's Dr. Ward. Dr. Ward. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, you earned a PhD. This well, is Dr. I, Ward they need to be chit-chatting with. Yeah, yeah. I can't really write you a prescription for anything, though. So I think that's the difference. You know, if you're in an existential crisis, though, I'm your guy. <laughs> so the, the doc sits me down and he says, Mr. Ward, tell me how you manage your stress. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. That cannot be what this is, right? Don't give me this resilient stuff, this grit stuff. But the reality was, as I was doing my PhD during that season, man, a number of issues. I mean, one, of course, I was working full time, trying to help take care of the family. And we had two young daughters married. So I was going to school on the side doing the PhD work while working full time. And during that season, I'm an only child. My mom fell, broke her hip. And so we began to be kind of concerned about her health and her care. And she continued to decline and develop issues all throughout this journey. My both daughters had some severe health issues. My oldest daughter developed a life-threatening anaphylactic allergy that we were trying to manage during this time. In 2011, my wife, she's a hospice nurse. She was on her way to see a patient, was in a car accident. And so she's a traumatic brain injury survivor, of course, lost her job and months of physical therapy, speech therapy, you know, really for personality change. I mean, personality change. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, the neurologist, one of the neurologists that saw us afterwards told us, you know, 85% of couples divorce after this. So just so much going on there. So yeah, there was some stress and, and as I am able to look back at it now with some distance, well, yeah, maybe externally, I didn't show it that much, but man, internally I was packing it, packing it, packing it till I just managed to shut down my whole digestive system. Really? I mean, the the stomach wasn't expanding the way it should esophagus is tight. And of course, just gut stop processing stuff. And that led you to what? So you go to the Mayo Clinic, they say to you, Dr. Ward, how are you handling your stress? And once you got past that block of that is not what this is about. What did it do to make you think about how you cope, how you self care or don't self care? I mean, like what, what did that open up for you? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I think in a lot of ways, I, I didn't really receive it until months later because essentially what happened is they do this diagnosis and then I enrolled in a physical therapy program that I'd come back for about three or four months later. And so those months between the diagnosis and getting to Mayo to get the treatment were really hard months. I mean, I continued to struggle with all these things. And so once I got up there, I was ready. Yeah. I was ready to make some changes. And so the program I went through was actually two weeks. And I learned a ton, learned a ton about both my digestive care overall mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and how to just manage stress as a human being. And having two weeks in a situation like that where there's nothing else to do but focus on getting healthy, I think that really began to make some shifts. And then as I began to apply some of the things I learned at Mayo, I think the brilliance of Mayo is they have both amazing diagnosis and amazing patient education. So once I was able to come home and apply, start applying these things and start seeing some changes, I was sold. And now you're able to sort of bring that forward, pay it forward in your coaching, pay it forward with other professionals. Let's 
talk a little bit about what you heard from coaches as you offered this reflective practice for this week long. Well, I guess it was a weekend long retreat that we were at, but what were some of the things that, because I would assume that not, I will acknowledge that I did not come to Tai Chi in the mornings and now I'm bumming that I didn't, but you heard a lot of different things from people who might've even been new to that practice. Let's talk a little bit about what, what that opened. Yeah, it it was a fun conversation. The uh, dominant theme was, especially for those who didn't have any kind of meditative practice before, who hadn't done anything like yoga, who maybe didn't do any kind of daily mindfulness practice or things like that, there was an awareness of that mind-body connection that they had not really experienced before. And and that was consistent with my own experience. I'm a very, I, I mean, I can nerd out with the best of them, okay? I mean, all caps geek, man, please. I love it. So I can be in my head a lot. And, and of course, people are hearing this on podcasts. When you see the picture, I, there's not a lot of hair up there. And there's a reason because there's just so much heat coming off this thing, right? <laughs> this engine's running hot. And so beginning to appreciate that mind-body connection for myself and being aware of, gosh, what is going on with my shoulders, with my neck, with my face, with my tummy, whatever, my chest, that awareness then changes how I carry myself, how I interact with others and that sort of thing. Same experience for these coaches, even with just a 30-minute physical practice where we did some basic kind of Tai Chi, Qigong exercises, people became aware of places they had tension they they weren't aware of before. This The conversation was about, man, the power of breath. One of the things we did is we spent some time just focusing on the sensation of breath, that cool air as it comes in our nose, the warmer air as it goes out, intentionally slowing down so that the exhale is longer than the inhale, because that helps reset the parasympathetic nervous system, which is, which covers rest, uh, healing, and digestion. Of course, you know, where were my issues? Well, rest, healing, and digestion, those weren't working. Mm -hmm. And so even something as simple as learning how to reconnect with a healthy focus on the breath and the power that can come from that in just 30 minutes. Major. And so you were hearing this again and again, What are some of the things that you sometimes do with your clients to help them tap into this concept of self-care? Yeah. And and actually, I want to add one more thing that I heard from the coaches too. Oh, yes, definitely. These sessions by sharing my story, like I've just shared with you. And so not only were were there experiential conversations around the mind-body connection, but there were also several folks who commented on just realizing, okay, self-care really is not selfish. And I need to maintain the machine or gosh, I need to invest in myself, which by the way, as a coach, like that's great because what is it we're trying to sell to other people, right? We're trying to get them to invest in themselves. And if we're not doing it ourselves, what's the message that's being given even subliminally? Yeah, absolutely. Good, good. So this whole, and I just want to tap in again to the fact that, you know, our coaching organization recognizes this as well. The whole competency of embodies a coaching mindset is about what is the reflective practice that we're using? How are we continuing our growth? How are we tapping into what's going on inside ourselves so that we are in the best place to partner with our clients? And that whether it's Tai Chi, whether it is journaling, whether it is walking or praying or whatever it is that you are using as a reflective practice, Dr. Ward and I are saying, you know, you want to create some kind of a practice that honors 
all the internal working that you have? Yeah, I would say with that, and I don't want to lose this train. We will circle back to working with clients. Um, yeah. But with that, reflective practice is not all just in the head. I, I think for me, previous to this experience, I would have just said, oh, reflective practice, sure, think about X, Y, or Z. What we're really talking about is a personal discipline, a habit, a sort of bent of being to where there is intentional time for rest, refueling, hitting that reset, getting out of fight or flight. And that's one of the things I really took away from the time at Mayo is th- what's happening to us culturally as we are just driven to be in this constant state of fight or flight and we don't have to be there, right? The attention economy, how does it work? By forcing you into fight or flight, essentially. That's how we keep your attention. And there's a tremendous cost to that. So these reflective practices are really about re-engaging that parasympathetic system so you can rest, digest, heal, and hit reset. And to the extent that you can help your clients do that, you're doing a tremendous favor for them. Because how often do we work with people? They're just, you know, trying to achieve one thing after another and often don't even celebrate the wins before they're on to the next expectation, the next demand. So when we can help our clients slow down and pay attention to what's going on inside of them, what a gift. And, and that's one of the things I believe that is our responsibility as a coach. Yeah. In fact, okay. This is so fun. I'm so glad we're doing this without a script. So yeah, this brings us back to that, that working with clients piece. So one of the, one of the things that I've added to my practice that I get a lot of positive feedback on is we begin every coaching session before we actually get to the contract for the session. I see before we get to the contract for that actual conversation, I start with, okay, what successes do you want to celebrate? And what have you learned? We always start there. That is just beautiful. And one of the things that we sort of talked about when we prepped for this interview was looking at that this kind of self-care doesn't necessarily need to take your whole day. I mean, you talked about a five-minute morning routine, a two-minute reset routine. So can we kind of walk through that? Now, this might be skills that you use with your clients. It's certainly something you use for yourself. So as you're listening to this show, Star Coaches, I would just say, you know, so many of the things that we're talking about today, think about where you want to apply that. Is this something you want to share with family? Is this something you want to apply to yourself? Is this something that is, is a great import for your clients. Um, so there, as with any star coach show, we've got lots of different places we can apply it. Let's go to that five minute, two minute, one minute. Yeah. And so some of this I'm getting from the work of Shirzad Shamin and his positive intelligence book. That's one of the things that began to help me appreciate the need for these sort of micro resets. And even recently, uh, New York times had an article talking about this idea of, okay, is 30 minutes a day of exercise enough. And in one of the experts interviewed in the article was talking about the value of exercise snacks, that this stuff is cumulative. It adds up. So if you only get two minutes, get two minutes. And again, in Shirzad Shamin's work, he's talking about this idea of these sort of two minutes of PQ uh, repetitions of of positive intelligence repetitions that help ground us. And again, to go back to the, the Mayo material, right, to get us out of fight or flight, to help reset that parasympathetic system. So that's where the five minute, two minute, one minute idea kind of comes along. Uh, and I'll have a link I can share with everybody. I've got a, a blog post where I share some of these exercises. But Oh, good. That would be great. 
but yeah, there are routines you can do while the coffee is brewing in the morning. And this is one of the things I'll use, right? And it just helps get blood flowing, to get the breath going, kind of open you up for the day, shake some of that fog, fogginess. And when the watch goes off in the middle of the day, if you've got a smart watch that's telling you these kind of things, or you start to feel the, the lower back pain from sitting too much, or the shoulders are starting to hunch from too much time trying to post yourself on social media, whatever. Yeah. There are things you can do in just two minutes or even as much as just one minute that's going to reconnect you to your body, be aware where the tension is, help that relax and re-engage that parasympathetic nervous system. And by taking those regular breaks, what we're doing is we're, we're essentially bringing down our stress baseline. The other thing I'd throw out, and this is from the Center for Creative Leadership. And yeah, by the way, you know, footnote, right? I said I was geek with capital letters. So Center for Creative Leadership has this wonderful piece I'd recommend on the difference between stress and uh, pressure. And what their work's going to tell us is essentially pressure is unavoidable. I mean, we need it to get out of bed in the morning and, and life's just going to have it. Stress comes by how we process that pressure. And so one of the things they talk about to, to get out of that stress state is to reconnect to now, reconnect to the physical. And what are you doing? When you're swinging those arms, moving, paying attention to the physicality of the being, you're reconnecting to the physical and you're reconnecting to now. So good. If you have a link to that article, I'd be happy to put that in the show notes. I'd be happy to share it with all the listeners. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much. So you talked about, you know, the, the formula, energy in, energy out times time. Can you share that? I think that might come from your book, right? Well, yeah, that, that actually is kind of something I realized a little later after uh, publishing the book. Now, the book's full of other great gold nuggets. But as I continue to work with folks, I thought, my goodness, there's really a simple formula we can use to recognize where you're at with this burnout stuff and as well as to maintain yourself. And it's, so it's this. So think of energy in, which we might call boosters, minus energy out, which we can call drainers, that's going to give you a numeric value, right? It's going to be a positive value or a negative value, but we don't stop there because we multiply that value by time. In other words, as a high achieving professional, yes, there are going to be days that you're going to have to go at 120%. There are going to be family crises that come up that are going to require you to be at full capacity, possibly even beyond that red line state. I've certainly experienced that. What I've also experienced is staying in that state for a prolonged period of time and seeing what it does to my system. And I still, I have permanent consequences because of that season of my life. I have permanent health challenges. It's, I just, I do not have the energy that I did before. It's just, mm -hmm. it just, it's a bummer, right? Yeah. At the same time, I now appreciate the power of these boosters, whether it's five minute, two minute, one minute resets relationships that encourage me, monitoring my self-talk, exercise. I, I, my dog's sitting here in the office with me. You know, she and I go to the, the, the park. There's a nature trail. We hike that thing, man. Oh, that is just, that's a booster for me. Energy in, energy in, energy in. Working with clients, I really enjoy. Energy in, all that is such good stuff. Having purpose, being in a, in a setting that where my core values are honored, that's energy in, it's a booster. It gives value, meaning. These are the things that, that, give us that positive score. And so that's one side of the equation we have to be intentional about. This is why I start those coaching conversations before we get into that contract with, let's celebrate some successes and let's talk about what you learned. So important. I just love that, Stan. Thank you. The other thing 
that came up for me while you were sharing that is that I know that we mindset is a huge part of that and that we can potentially do ourselves a disservice in the way that we think about things in the way that we respond to disappointments. And you have a great story about failing forward. And I would uh, wonder if you'd be willing to share that because I think it's a great message for things don't always turn out the way that we thought they were going to. And yet, what's the mindset we have about that? How do we take that and turn it a little bit, shift perspective and fail forward? So do you mind sharing? Thank you so much for that. Because that's the heart I'm coming from. Hey, dear listener, I'm not trying to sell you anything today other than some encouragement. Okay, (laughs) man, I just want to encourage folks. Because I've been on this journey, 2020, going full-time coaching, thinking, oh my goodness, how am I going to make this work? Thank goodness I found this podcast, among other resources, that's really been so helpful. Okay, after that little emotional blur, what were we even talking about? I lost. We're going to talk about how you fail forward. Oh, failing forward. Yes. Okay, that was a good example of failing forward. Okay, we're hitting reset here. So yeah, you know, it's so funny as as because I come from an education background, and even before that, I did work in ministry. So definitely a a lot of my formative years as far as learning a career skill set were in more of that nonprofit people helping space, okay? Mm-hmm. Not in an entrepreneurial business building space. So recognizing that gap, yeah, I've come in and I've looked for the seven steps to this, the three steps for this, the five systems for this, right? And because I am such a kind of nerdy guy, I'm always like, well, man, if I just follow, if I just line it all up right, right? If I measure twice, cut once, this will work, and it will. Yeah, and eventually. <laughs> eventually, right? So here's an example of saying, okay, I wanted to create a passive revenue stream. I've built online courses before at a university level. So I'm going to build some courses that I can sell through my coaching practice. You know, built them out. I just didn't really sell, right? I mean, I'm because re- I was great at doing the creative thing. I didn't really have a system in place for selling them, right? So that's one lesson learned there. But what was really neat about that is I didn't lose that content because... I also, for the one-on-one work, I use a platform called Coach Accountable that allows me to deliver a lot of content automatically, maybe this course function. And so I was able to take all that content, port it into these one-on-one coaching packages, and now I have a premium package. So in a sense, that was a great success. It is a financial boon for my business to have that content. It just did not go the way I thought it was going to go. Right. So you thought you were going to be developing these digital courses. You were going to sell these digital courses and they would just be a passive income for your business. What ended up happening was that, and I'm I'm not convinced that you can't go back and do that at some point, but for now, it didn't go the way that you thought it was going to. But what you did was take that those courses that you developed and created a premium package. And I'm talking to this audience all the time about packages, not dollars for hours. We want to create packages. We want to create value for our clients. So you have all this great content that you can say to your clients, okay, as we're walking through this journey, because you have a methodology as well, which is also very important. You have this methodology about how you work with your clients and you're able to supplement that, those individual sessions with this great content that you've created. And it takes, I would guarantee that it helps your clients go faster, further with more clarity. I've seen it. Yes. 
for sure. And so thank you for that reframing. You're right. I may be able to one day go back and create this wonderful passive revenue. I was being a little dramatic for storytelling's <laughs> sake. So thank you for reframing and calling me out. Yeah. So, and yet you took at the moment, okay, they're not selling the way I want them to at the moment. What can I do with this? How can I create premium packages for my clients and ultimately, you know, really create an experience for your clients? And I just love that. Yeah. I am able to, when I talk about results, I am much more certain in those results now that that content is part of the work I'm doing one-on-one with folks. So important. You know, Stan, you know, I adore you. Stan (laughs) is actually a graduate of one of my mentor programs, and I had the joy of meeting you and working with you there. So also sort of that commitment to sharpening your saw and staying focused. I appreciate that. I don't know if there's anything you want to say about putting energy into your trade as well. Yeah. Again, I I had a conversation this weekend with a friend who was at the retreat and he said one of the things that he took away from the Tai Chi session and hearing my story is the importance of investing in yourself. When you talk about mindset, man, oh my gosh, I feel like for me, it's I'm a likable dude. I'm smart. But man, the biggest struggles I have are not my technical skills. It really is that just the stories I'm telling myself as I walk this path of an entrepreneur and and go into a lot of terra incognite, right? Unexplored places. Yeah. I, uh, you know, the, one of the reasons I sought your podcast out when I decided I needed to do this full time is because I knew that I had to be constantly learning and growing if I were, were going to have real value to add to clients. I want to create lasting relationships with my clients. Well, in order to do that, I can't be, I am a consistent person in some ways, but my content is not stagnant, right? Let, let's drink from a flowing stream rather than a stagnant pool. Well, uh, I'm so glad that you found the podcast. I'm thrilled that you found me and uh, decided to do some work with me to build those skills because, you know, you're such a gift. You're such a gift to the coaching community and all that you bring forward. So we are going to have Stan a link to Stan's book in the, the show notes, along with that article that you mentioned and any other resources that you would like to share with us. Anything as we wrap up, any additional thoughts about the importance of self-care, of mindset, of just sort of, gosh, physician heal thyself kind of concepts as we wrap up our show today? Yeah. You know, years ago, I had a friend who's also a counselor tell me, you can't give what you don't have. And so, yeah, I think that's also where programs like your skill building programs, you know, I, I see the podcast more of the knowledge building space. Uh, but like your skill builders, the the uh, retreat we went to in April, the All Texas uh, Retreat and Conference, where we had an opportunity to work on coaching skills with our coaches, build those professional relationships where we can encourage each other. That's really important because uh, at the end of the day, you just can't get what you don't have. Exactly. So thank you for bringing what you have and sharing that with us because it was a real treat. Oh, it's been a joy. Thank you for the opportunity. Very, I'm very sincere in that. This is fun. Absolutely.
want to thank Stan Ward one more time for being on the show and being so authentic and energetic and sharing so much with us and supplying some great resources that are in the show notes at starcoachshow.com slash 293, starcoachshow.com slash 293. In his members-only bonus question for our membership site, Stan shares his perspective on the importance of small experiments and how they help his clients thrive. Now, next week, Dr. John Finn is joining us all the way from England. Dr. Finn is going to be talking with us about habits and how habits can either detract from our confidence or add to our confidence. So the show's all around confidence, but confidence through the lens of the habits that we form. It's a great episode. Can't wait to share that with you. If you're enjoying the show, please consider leaving a rate and review wherever you listen so more and more coaches can find it. If you have a favorite episode, please share the link with others so that they might have that be their favorite episode as well. Until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have a fantastic week.